the Holy Gospel. According to St. Luke, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, But I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and all the children may come forward for a children's sermon. What is love? Yes. A powerful thing. It is a powerful thing. What else? What's love? Yeah. Kindness. Yes, that's part of it. What's love? Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. There's a lot of hearts on Valentine's Day in there. What else? People love each other. Yeah. It's between people, isn't it? So it's it's kindness. It's, it's kind of both a feeling you have in your heart towards someone, but it's also the work that you do for someone. And it's good things, right? 
is for the good of people. So, if me and Cooper were fighting, we're not really fighting, but if me and Cooper were fighting, and Cooper came up and shoved me, and I shoved him right back, is that loving? That's not good, at the very least. And we're probably going to keep fighting, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. But if Cooper saw that I was carrying a bunch of books and opened the door for me, without me even asking, is that loving? Yes. Yeah. So it's just kind of that work that we do for each other. Um, I yeah. Know, I also know what love is also. What else? Bravery. Bravery. Love is very brave. That's very good. Today, we have a text where Jesus is saying to love your enemies. And enemies are those people that are doing things against you. So doing things that aren't for your good, that aren't helping you, that aren't trying to love you. It's kind of the opposite of love. Jesus is saying to love your enemies. And more than that, Jesus is saying it's not, it's not enough to just love the ones who love you. And it's not enough just to do good to those who do good to you. The wholeness, kind of the whole thing of what Jesus is trying to teach is to love everyone. The ones that are easy to love and especially, excuse me, the ones that are hard to love. This is difficult, isn't it? Because if Cooper comes up and shoves me, I kind of want to shove him back, don't I? But what would Jesus want me to do? Be nice. What else? What would Jesus want me to do? Maybe keep moving. Maybe say, Cooper... That's not like you, is it? What's wrong? I, to want to say what's wrong to Cooper, even if I'm mad. Yeah. You can just walk away. You could just walk away. If I can't figure out how to do something loving in that moment, maybe just remove myself for the time being so I don't cause more fighting. Why does Jesus want us to do this? I mean, why not just love people that we love and that's the end of it? Why does Jesus want us to love the ones who are against us? Yeah. Because everyone has a purpose in this world and he wants everyone to feel equal. It's feeling equal. I think that's part of it. Yeah. Um, Jesus loves everyone and he will never stop loving everyone. Yeah. There's a love for Jesus. There's a love of Jesus for everybody. Yep. Do something nice. I think it's that Jesus doesn't want us to be caught in this hate forever. Because if Cooper shoves me and I shove Cooper, we're just going to keep shoving each other until one of us loses, right? And then if someone stronger comes along, if Claire comes along and shoves me and I shove her, and then I lose, what's that good to anybody? If we keep giving people hate whenever they hate us, it's only going to make more hate. If, if I shove you on my Hatchimals, then they will play hard right now. They will be hurt. Yeah. 
But if, if we don't hate people who hate us, but if we love people who hate us, it kind of makes things different. Because if Cooper shoves me and I don't do anything back, or if Cooper shoves me and I try to help him with how he's feeling, all of a sudden, instead of hate making hate, hate is turning into love, which is a much better thing. Love can grow just as quickly as hate. I want you to think about the people that you have a hard time getting along with. It might be a sibling, it might be a parent, it might be a relative, it might be someone from school, it might be anybody. But I want you to think of getting along with someone who's hard to get along with sometimes. And I want you to imagine that instead of trying to get even, what would it look like to try to love that person? They'd probably make a whole lot less arguments, a whole lot less fighting, and a whole lot more love. This is super difficult. In fact, this is the most difficult thing, tied with a couple of others, but the most difficult thing Jesus asks us to do is to love the people who are against us. But it's also the way that Jesus turns the world around. Kind of cool, isn't it? It's almost like a superpower, isn't it? Jesus turns the world around through this love. I want you to know that if you try this and you fail, that's okay. If you try this and succeed, that's okay too. But the most important part is to know that Jesus wants love. Jesus wants love for you and wants you to be loved and wants you to be cared for and wants you to be valued. But Jesus wants love for everybody, even the ones that just don't seem to get it. And I bet you love them all. Yeah. There's love for everyone. Should we say a prayer? Yeah, let's say a prayer. Let's say a prayer. Gracious God, you love us and you love all people. We ask that you help us to love each other. You help us to love the ones that are easy to love and you help us to love the ones that are so hard to love and that in all of it, we might be loved Thank you for being a God that creates good things out of this love and help us every day to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we have a snack. In the name of Jesus, amen. The text today immediately follows the text from last week. The text today is literally the same sermon, the same speech, the same breath 
that Jesus is using from last week. So for those of you who were here last week and those of you who weren't, we review very quickly that Jesus, having collected his disciples, brings everyone to a level place and begins teaching by teaching in two columns, blessings and woes. And Jesus says, blessed are the ones who are hungry, blessed are the ones who are poor, blessed are the ones who are weeping, and blessed are the ones who are hated on Jesus' behalf. And then Jesus also says, woe, woe to the ones that are full, woe to the ones that are rich, woe to the ones that are laughing, and woe to the ones that are well-liked. And in this, we heard that Jesus was very much pointing to God's work on behalf of the ones who need it most. God's work on behalf of the ones who are oppressed. On behalf of the ones who are suffering. On behalf of the ones who are hurt. And Jesus saying that the ones who think that they are not a part of this, the rich, the full, the laughing, and the well-liked. Woe to them. Woe to them in not looking out for their neighbor. Woe to them in simply occupying themselves with their own wealth. Woe to them. And that woe is the, the only other time we see that woe. Is when Jesus uses it at the Last Supper with Judas. Woe to the one who betrays the Son of Man. This is a very heavy woe. And this we realized. That the love of God for all people is tied up in the love of God for the ones who need it most. And it is in that same breath without skipping a beat that we arrive at the text today. Love your enemies. Do good to the ones that harm you. It almost seems like a direct contradiction. That Jesus would be so clear in one moment that blessing should be for the ones who need it and woe to the ones who are not sharing. And immediately, Jesus says to all who would listen, love your enemies. And Jesus calls us out immediately where we try to turn, right? Well, we'll just love the ones that are easy, right? And we'll call those enemies, but they'll actually be friends, and we'll do that kind of love. And then, But no, Jesus calls us out. Jesus said it's not just about loving those who love you. It's not just about doing good to those who do good to you. It's not just about lending to those who will return. It's directly about loving the ones who will not love you, doing good to the ones who will not do good to you, lending to the ones who will not return. And then just the topper of them all, verse 35. Love your enemies, do good, lend without expecting anything in return. Your reward will be great in heaven. You will be children of the Most High, for he will be kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. He will be 
kind, meaning God. God will be kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't hear this particular verse preached very often. Do you? I hear the blessings and the woes much more often. I hear God's condemnation for the ones who oppress us much more often. I hear Psalm 37 that we just read today much more often. I hear that the evil ones are like the green grass and will fade away. That's what I hear preached much more often. But here, Jesus is doing something that we, even as Christians, over 2,000 years of studying this text, manage to gloss over quite often, which is that God will be kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. And there is part of us that sees that as truly unjust. Until we realize, until we realize how often we are that group. Because I must confess to you, my brothers and sisters, that I often try to do what Jesus wants me to do. I often try to be on behalf of the ones who need it. The poor, the hungry, the weeping, and the hated. I often try and sometimes I fail. No, let me correct that. Sometimes I try to be on behalf of the ones who need it the most. And sometimes I fail. Nope, let me correct that. Every once in a while I'll try for the ones who need it the most. And often I'll fail. That's not right either. Every once in a blue moon, I'll get off my butt to try, and often I don't care. That's probably honest. And I'm not sure if anything else needs to qualify me as ungrateful and wicked as this. For me to hoard all of my wealth and for me to hoard everything I own and for me to hoard all the food and for me to hoard all the riches and for me to hoard all the laughter and for me to hoard all of the well-spoken things about me and to, for somehow to convince myself that they are all for my benefit and not the benefit of the whole world and for me to simply sit in this day after day after day not much in relationship with the ones who actually need these things and not much in relationship with the ones who would benefit from these things. What else should I do to be qualified as ungrateful and wicked? Woe. In this text, God is asking the poor that I don't help to be gracious to me. And that heaps coals on my head. And in this text, God is asking the hungry, who know full well that I overeat quite often, to be gracious to me. And that heaps coals on my head too. And in this text, God is asking the weeping, to be gracious to me. 
will laugh at the next stupid thing Norm Peterson does on an episode of Cheers. God will ask those who are hated because they're actually following the gospel of Christ to be gracious to me, the one who wears fancy robes and is well-liked in the midst of the community. If you can't believe this verse, if you can't believe the mercy in this verse and the grace in this verse, that God would actually be kind to the wicked and ungrateful, follow me to the cross. Follow me to that moment later in the Gospel of Luke, later in every Gospel. Follow me to that moment where Jesus has been condemned wrongly by the scribes and the Pharisees and the ones that put him on trial. And Jesus has been beaten and Simon has carried the cross to the place where Jesus will be hung. And Jesus is there on the cross with one on his right and one on his left. And in that moment, there is an assembly, as the gospel puts it, of people gathered together. And these are people that followed Jesus and tried to do what Jesus wanted. These are people who condemned Jesus wrongly and intentionally seeking to end his life. These are people who couldn't care less about Jesus and had no idea who he was. These are soldiers just trying to carry out their jobs. And these are the people that abandoned Jesus and would have nothing to do with him after the garden, scattering themselves. And it is this group that Jesus looks down on and says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. That moment is true in the cross, and that moment is true every day of our lives when we either intentionally or unintentionally stand in the way of the kingdom of God come near with apathy or with active action against it. A day passes where you do nothing. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. A day passes where you actively stand against the hungry being fed. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. A day passes where you actually tried but failed. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. A day passes when you actually succeed in doing some of this stuff, but it's not enough. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. You and I cannot claim to know the fullness of God. You and I cannot claim to know the kingdom of God. You and I cannot claim any of this. But we rest wholly and singularly on God blessing the ones who need it the most and God being kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. In short, God will love all. In this world, I can think of nothing greater than God loving all. In this world, I can think of nothing better than hate being met with love. In this world, I can think of nothing better than to throw away our quest for justice and instead concentrate, focus on mercy.
This doesn't mean that we ignore the plight of the poor. No, Jesus is still on behalf of those folks. This means that there is mercy for all. There's mercy for the ones who need it. There's mercy for the ones who reject it. There's mercy for all. This week, just watch what you're doing. Almost like a movie of yourself. Watch your hands as they move. Watch your lips as they speak. Watch your actions and your heart as they go out and do things over the course of the week. You'll all be doing something. I want you to see if it's blessing to other people, blessing to the ones that need it. And I want you to see if it's cursing other people, really against the ones who need it. I want you to see if it's loving, if it's merciful, or if it's vindictive and unjust. And in all of it, I want you to know that there is love. For the stuff that looks just like what Jesus would do, there's love. For the stuff that looks just like what Judas would do, there's love. All of it is met with mercy and love. Jesus loves you. All of you. God be with you. Amen.